Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Look, y'all know we harp on it a lot. You need a good pair of binos. Yeah, I never hunted with binos until I was almost into my 20s. I never did it when I was a teenager or anything like that. Or when I was a kid, we never had binos. And when I bought my first pair of Vortex binos, the first binos I ever purchased back in like 2015, it immediately made a huge difference for me, especially in the turkey woods. So give yourself the advantage of a good pair of binos this spring, whether you're looking for more of like an entry-level bino like the Vortex Diamondbacks or something really, really nice like the Razors. Vortex is going to have something for you. And hey, don't pay full price for it. Use our discount code at eurooptic.com. Use the code SGN10 to get a discount on any Vortex optics that you want to order. Again, that's eurooptic.com, code SGN10 to go get a discount on any Vortex product you order. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. Alright guys, and welcome to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Now I'm sure some of y'all are wondering why this episode is called Embrace the Suck. And that is kind of a phrase that I have learned from an uh, a individual I look up to in the hunting industry, uh, Remy Warren. Uh, and what that means, Embrace the Suck, is when you're hunting a very, uh, or on a very difficult and demanding hunt, you know, a lot of times it can suck. It can, it can be miserable, and this week's episode is really going to bring that to the table with our guest, uh, which is my buddy uh, Jordan Barnes from Close Proximity TV. You're going to understand how hunting can be extremely difficult, especially when you do it in certain ways uh, and, and just have certain demands that you are looking for. Um, Jordan is a you know a pretty hardcore bow hunter when it comes to turkeys and he doesn't use de- or he does not use a blind he hunts on the ground in a leaf suit and you're here about his setup but it's extremely difficult uh, he, he's had a very 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 uh, demanding last week uh, in the turkey woods and, and you'll hear about that in just a moment but again embrace the suck is a phrase that we use when you're having a very difficult, demanding hunt that 
uh, at times can suck. It can be miserable, and you've got to overcome those adversities, and you're going to hear about how he's trying to overcome these adversities of this season to you know, end it on a right note, at least for the state of Georgia. But uh, again, guys, we cover a lot of great topics from, you know, the difficultness of hunting, uh, especially in the way he does it for anyone that might be interested in, you know, chasing birds with, you know, a bow outside of a blind. But also, you know, we talk a little bit about, uh, you know, this filming. And I know a lot of people like myself are interested in getting to filming, not necessarily to do TV shows or anything like that, but just to really document the hunt and really enjoy it and be able to share that film and that hunt with your friends and family. That's really the reason I want to be able to do it. And we talk a little bit about that and we talk about some really cool setups for anyone that's really trying to get interested into uh, or getting into uh, filming. We can talk about that on this episode too. But again, guys, this episode really does showcase how difficult you know, honey can be, especially for turkeys. I mean, you could have a very, very easy, simple turkey hunt, or you could change some stuff up and, uh, you know, try to have to overcome some adversities uh, throughout your season. That is definitely what Jordan's doing. Uh, He's a guy that loves a challenge, like myself, and, you know, it's one of those things that you might make the hunt more challenging for yourself, but when it all comes together and you become successful with it, it's so much more rewarding, and we really talk about that, and I'm sure some of y'all can relate. But once again, guys, let's jump right into this interview with Jordan. Give you a recap of the day? Yeah. Well, I've got a, I'll preface it with a, a recap of what's been going on lately since second bird, my second uh, tag I filled. Uh, ever since then, old Mr. Murphy has reared his ugly head, and that's a big part. It's, a big, it's, it's somebody that you don't put in your best, but when you take up the task and the challenge of toting a bow, uh, camera gear, two GoPros, the main camera, and a tripod, and you know a decoy because you don't have to have a decoy bow hunt turkeys. This is self filming, meaning you're operating, you know pretty obvious for the viewers to know what self-filming means, but, you know, you're operating that camera, filming that turkey walk all the way into the decoy. Um, it's not just cropping the camera in front of the decoy and, and hitting record. Uh, that would make it a lot easier for me, and, um, you know, I might have to do that to get it done in Georgia for the third one, but, uh, but Mr. Murphy... He's, he's in my vest. Um, he's coming out of the vest a little bit more than I like. Uh, I missed a bird. Um, I want to say, I want to say that was this week, beginning of the week. Um, I could be wrong. It might have been into last week. I think it was beginning of this week. It might have been last week. I can't remember. It's, I'm kind of dazed right now because of what's been going on lately. But. Um, Three gobblers that I had within shotgun range probably three times already this year. I used a little bit different of an approach and was able to call in the hen with them, and they all came in, uh, and I drew. And the first two birds I killed this year, I shot high, and I thought I shot my bow and checked it, but apparently it was still high because when I went back and shot it, it was shooting about five inches high. Um, and I shot over that that first nest. I shot right over him. Uh, he right over his back. So I know I didn't aim there, but, you know, that happened. So those turkeys, I left them alone. Uh, didn't hunt them more. Started trying to find another bird. Uh, found one. On some property I've got, uh, buddy let me hunt and kind of put the brakes on public because I'm already hunting public this year in South Carolina, Washington, Idaho, Montana, uh, Wyoming. So there's already a lot of public there that I'm going to be on. So I figured you know, I kind of want to just go ahead. You know, if I get if I catch up with a public land bird, great. For my third one, if not, I'm kind of bouncing back and forth in between it. But uh, the second mix-up, I got on a bird this week. I want to say it was Tuesday morning. Uh, 
went around the field with a flashlight, scout, and the night before, got in there and found some gobble tracks and everything, knew where I needed to be, made a, made a little spot tucked in where I wanted to set up the next morning. Slept in the truck because I was about an hour from the house. Got up that morning about 6.20. Uh, I've got like a little rubber mat, like a poncho that I keep right by my driver's side door that wants to step out, you know. I put my shoes on and everything. Did that. Al hooted one time, bird gobbled like right on top of where I was going to set up. I walked down there, bird's probably 40 yards off that field. And uh, I didn't know if I was going to be able to get the set up in time. You know, my, my decoy bag was caught up in my tripod on my vest. Had to take that off. Finally got it set up. Snuck over there to the spot. Set up. I hadn't leveled the camera in time just about, and the bird flies down. Now, and what day was that again? I think that was Tuesday. I want to say it was Tuesday. So I must have missed the first one last week. And the end of last week, I think Friday, either Thursday or Friday, something like that. Yeah, because I remember you calling me, and you were pretty much heartbroken, and uh, I felt bad for you, man. I mean, what you what you think? He was like around ten yards or so. Yeah, that was about that was a ten yard shot. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not gonna not hit a turkey at ten yards. I mean, that was that was a equipment rookie mistake by not checking my equipment when I when I did kill two turkeys and shot high on both of them. That's that's all on me. That's that's my error. Um, but. I got finally set up. I heard the bird fly down. And next thing I know, I had just hit record because I knew he was about to step out. He stepped out the field. And I had a strutter out. He came out to about 35 yards or so, gobbled his brains out, and just kind of saw what he saw and didn't want to see any more and walked off. So that was that. Um, you know, so I didn't, I was been up editing, you know, trying to get out the second kill of the year, trying to get that out this week. And I went back to that same field, uh, the last one I thought about, the bird. I went back to that one this evening and set up on the other side of the field with a different look, with a JT boy. And um, I've been sitting there probably for about an hour and a half. It's getting about that time, you know, about 6 o'clock is when I, you know, if I'm cutting and yelping at 6 o'clock, bird should go or he should hear me, you know. If I'm in an area near where he roots, in that general location, well, I cut and yelp, did all that. Take yelp a couple times. Next time I look up, about five minutes later, I look out in the field and the bird's coming. He's, he's coming right across the field, taking a, a rut in the field where the tractor was, taking it straight to me on a beeline. And the bird found him coming all the way in. He gets up there to the decoy. And uh, the one thing about a Jake decoy is, you know, if, if I have it lower in the ground because I want, I figure that bird, you know, he kind of shies from the strutter, so he's probably not the dominant bird in the area. Well, when he looked over there and saw that Jake and it was lower to the ground, it's just more reassurance that I'm kind of pumping up his confidence. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, well, the problem with that is when he got up there on the decoy and he got behind the decoy, not much of his head blocked by the decoy so I could draw. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he started to get into it a little bit, and I, I got from the camera to the bow, and I got ready to draw, and I really should have hindsight 2020, but I should have waited to see what it turned the other direction, maybe. And maybe puffed up, strutted for me a little bit. That way I could have got drawn. But I thought that I had a pretty decent chance at getting drawn on him. Uh, so I went ahead and started. And he's facing the decoy, facing me. His head's kind of coming in and out of view. So I made a rookie mistake. Number two is there's a kind of like a I don't know what you want to call it, like another tree growing off the tree I was on directly behind me near my, my draw arm. So, so the rookie mistake, number two, was I normally, when I set up and I get to a place, you know, that I like, and I'm going to set up there, 
I get everything done. I normally try to make sure that I take a practice draw, and I make sure that my bow draw is quiet as possible. I'm not brushing against anything. And I also check that my draw cycle is full draw cycle. There's nothing obstructing my draw arm when I come back and settle the pin. Well, when I went to try to draw on this daggum turkey, uh, God, still makes me so mad. Um, I went to draw on this sucker, and uh, when I got into the draw, he started noticing me. And when he started noticing me, he turned and started running. And then he stopped. And I went ahead and finished draw cycle to settle the pin, and I could have shot him right there. He's probably about 20. Um, that's why I like the decoy close a lot of times, is if they, they smell something's not quite right, and they get a leave, you're still going to have them within your one pin. You know, well, when I went to finish the draw cycle, my draw arm hit the tree, the second tree behind me. And like a dummy, I had my finger on the release. Mm. Near the release, and so the bow went off prematurely, probably three quarters into my draw cycle, and sent an arrow about three feet to the left of the turkey and probably two feet in front of the turkey. Mm. I never, I never even got to aim at the bird and give him a good, honest shot. Um, and that's, I mean, that's that's how it is, man. It's, it is, is, I think sometimes I take it for granted. Uh, how hard it is to get it done, you know, successfully, consistently. Uh, and we're entering, this is the third week of Georgia. I mean, I've only got a handful of, I mean, I, I can hunt a lot. I get mornings, but that clock's ticking, you know, and every opportunity presents a new challenge. Every opportunity, you got to, I got to take advantage of every single bird that gives me a chance. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, well, I was going to say, you know, with that aspect of everything, you know, I don't know what we should name this uh, episode, but, you know, definitely, you know, like I said, you know, the suck factor is real. And, and like, hunting's, I mean, hunting can be miserable, man, just like that. I mean, scenarios like that, nothing's going your way. And especially the way you go about hunting, because, I mean, you, you are bow hunting outside of a blind, you know, in the elements for turkeys. I mean, it doesn't get more difficult than that. So, I mean, that just that aspect of hunting in general is going to be extremely tough. And then you have all this stuff going, you know, the wrong way for it. Does not make it any easier for you? It's, it's a trifecta of, of obstacles that you're trying to overcome. Um, and, and probably the hardest obstacle you're trying to overcome is the self-filming aspect. Because... If I'm just sitting out there with a bow, you know, without a blind, you know, I'm shooting at probably an extra 10 more turkeys this year already. You know, um, it's getting that bird to not be at 30 looking at you. It's getting them up there to 10, 15 and interacting with the decoy because you've painted that picture for that turkey. And he's all in. He's bought all in. He's, he's thinking it's 100% real. So there's different hurdles. You know, just getting a bird to 30 is is not as hard as getting them all the way in. You know, because these birds, they see all kind of stuff from, from different people hunting around there. Public land birds have heard all kind of stuff. You know, you got, you got pressured private birds, too. Um, so it's, there's definitely, there's definitely a lot of challenges, man, and it's making me, if I had any hair, I'd pull it out right now. Uh, you know, I, you talk about the suck factor, I hate the suck factor. Yep. I don't want to break it. I hate it. <laughs> I can't, I'm telling you, it's, it's, uh, but, you know, you gotta, I just gotta go back to the grind, man. I gotta hunt even harder. I mean, I've gotta really pull all the stops to make this third one happen, you know, and it's, I know, I feel like it's gonna, you know, it's gonna happen, 
And when it does, man, it's going to be in a, a release of all kind of emotions that's been built up. Yeah, well, I, I 100% agree with that. I mean, what you're doing and the way you're going about hunting is, you know, so stressful, you know, so tedious that once you do have success, it's going to be worthwhile. Um, I mean, it, like you told me earlier, you know, before we actually got on the phone, you know, if, if you either had someone with you with a shotgun while you were hunting, or if you had a shotgun yourself, you know, you would have been tagged out, you know, extremely quickly, or, you know, you would have seen a lot more birds hit the ground. And I mean, just the aspect of how you hunt with a bow outside of a blind and self-film for your show, I mean, just makes it that much more difficult. But also, in my opinion, it's going to make it that much more rewarding when you do get this third bird. Uh, oh, it is. It is, man. And, you know, I, I probably put a lot of unnecessary stress on myself. I have expectations. I, I, you know, I slay drive myself. Um, and I have to. I have to have that mentality. Uh, like I'm telling myself right now, Jordan, you're not going to Kentucky uh, until you finish this third bird. You know, in your home state. I mean, I almost want to tell myself you're not going out west this year unless you get it done. You know, get it done. Find a way. Dig down deep and get after it and, find, and make it happen. You know, but it's, I mean, I'm, I might have to think outside the box, man. I might have to go no decoy and just a straight up ambush. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, the wheels are definitely turning right now. That's for sure. I mean, they're definitely going to have to turn, I mean, to make this happen because, you know, you've had so many encounters. And, again, I've talked to, the, talked to you about this before and I also talked with Andrew that, you know, you've had so many close encounters of birds, what I'm calling now the 35-yard files, where you're having so many encounters at that range and you're not able to really get a shot off, you know, it's because, you know, outside your normal comfort zone. And, you know, so many times these birds are coming into these different setups and you're having to change setups just because these birds get educated every time they come in. Um, so it makes it that much more difficult because every time you have to do a different setup, a different look to be able to get these birds to come into that range. And you're Exactly. Pro- you yeah. got to find a different bird, and if you can't find a different bird, you got to find a different setup, a different location. He's got to be roosted in a different area. you got to use a little bit different look. You know, you might have to go one hen. You might have to go... Um, you know, they've already seen the Jake. That one bird's already seen the Jake. Both birds have already seen the Jake. I mean, what do you do? I mean, uh, I've given these birds about a week off. The, the three birds together, the first one I missed, they've had about a week off. Um, are we giving them more credit than they deserve? I mean, I've always said a turkey's got a brain the size of a peanut. Don't give them too much credit. But at, at, on the other end of the spectrum, yeah, if I said I wasn't worried about it, I'd be lying to you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, man, I mean, I—it's frustrating, man. I mean, I'm a very passionate hunter. Um, I'm a very passionate individual. I—I I lost my cool. I mean, this evening. I mean, it's—it's it's frustrating, man. It is—it's another level of frustration, especially when you didn't even get to aim at the turkey. You know, you didn't even get to. Give it an honest shot. You know, you just had a malfunction at the absolute worst time to have a malfunction. You know, um, I had this happen. The only other time I've had a premature uh, bow go off was in South Dakota, 2015. Bird came in there, was on the decoy, and I was going to think about drawing, and my release came off. It fired. And I just barely pulled it back, like just maybe an inch. And my arrow went off the rest and went in the ground. And I slowly grabbed the arrow, or I think I grabbed the new arrow, and then reloaded and shot it. But this one just happened to be, it was three quarters in the draw cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there is, there is so many times where if I had, somebody with a shotgun or if I had a shotgun I mean it would be uh, I would be done very soon and and I would I would be filling my wife's limit my dad's limit a friend's limit I mean but that's that's the nature of the beast um like I say I'm a glutton for punishment I guess sometimes I don't know why 
but that why is what I'm searching for, you know? Yeah, and I, again, I mean, I, I, I can kind of relate with you on that aspect uh, just a little bit. I mean, not on that extreme, but uh, I'll give you an example. So, you know, I hunt a lot of public land uh, in central Alabama, and most of the public land, uh, at least these management areas, you can only, during just talking deer hunting now, you can only use firearms on very limited hunts. There's only a couple weekends a year you can use them or throughout the season where the rest of the season you have the bow hunt. And, you know, I have access to some private land, but yeah, I just love the challenge of hunting out there on public land. You know, some years I'm not even successful, but I still enjoy and enjoy that challenge. And, you know, like we talked about before, enjoy the suck factor where it sucks, man. I mean, there's days I will go and not see any deer. And there's some days I'll be, you know, see two or three mature bucks. And, yeah. you know, some days they're at 60 yards and I just can't take that shot with my bow. And, or, you know, they come by 20 yards from my stand, a mature buck, four and a half year old you know, right at last light or right past last light, and he just goes past your stand, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, it's miserable, but I enjoy that. Uh, you know, I enjoy that more so than going down to our family farm where I know exactly three or four trees I could sit in and at least harvest a doe and get a chance to harvest a decent buck uh, without, you know, too much effort. And I'd rather I'd rather make it difficult and really make it a challenge because to me it's going to be more worthwhile and more rewarding in the end and again i might be different uh, i mean you and me are kind of same on that aspect but compared to some of the listeners you know nothing against anyone that you know doesn't want that difficultness but i mean i enjoy it i mean i enjoy that you know that struggle because once you come out of that struggle and you have success it is so worthwhile oh yeah it, it is man it really is i mean and, and and honestly if i can get one to stay still long enough I feel very comfortable shooting him at 30 right now. I mean, for sure. I mean, you got to you got to spend the airs. I mean, that's really where I'm at right now. I, I've got to aim at HRP and shoot, you know. And I've, I've done that one time that I missed this year. And this one right here is just the absolute uh, malfunction, you know. Mm-hmm. And when, when you got a bird that's sitting there at 10 yards, I mean, that's about where that one was, 10, 12 yards. He's sitting there, and he's locked in, and you're like, I'm sitting here thinking, uh, in my mind, I'm throwing him in the back of the Toyota, you know. Uh, I'm getting ready to take some pictures, you know. And for it to happen like it did, I mean, it's just like, I don't know, man. The only thing that's going to fix this is that third bird. That's, That's the only thing that fixes this feeling. And, you know, I'm going to go in the morning. I don't know if I'm going to get on the birds that roosted or not. Um, I might go to public. I, I don't know. I'm kind of I'm all frazzled right now. Pretty bad. But just need to find a willing participant. That's really what it boils down to. That and also not just having a willing participant, but more more so having – you know, getting that bird to come in and getting the opportunity to be able to come back on him, draw back on him, and get that opportunity to take the shot. Because it's one thing to get him within range. It's another thing to go from your camera to your bow, draw back, and get the shot off without him taking off running. Um, I mean, I mean, I mean, we can talk a little bit. Actually, let's talk a little bit about your setup and everything you do. So, again, guys, you know, Jordan, you know, he hunts out of a blind. I mean, he does. He hunts without a blind on the ground with his bow, but Jordan, talk a little bit about how you go about using your camouflage to your advantage and how you camouflage your bow and your camera equipment. Okay, so what I do is I take, I got a Hobby Lobby. I just get some uh, ivy, plastic ivy that they have there. It's only like 50% off around the springtime, so it works out pretty good. Um, And I take black zip ties, and I have a way that I do it to my bow. I'll do both sides of the bow, and you're basically breaking up your outline. Um, it's just a form of camouflage. I mean, I'll put some on my hat. Uh, I'll also, my tripod, I'll spray with an olive dab spray paint, and I'll put some ice on the first two legs that face out. Um, but the real, I'll tell you, one of the biggest tricks that I do um is I have a green leafy suit. So 
I found this thing at a yard sale. It, it's a green, all green, leafy suit. You might be able to buy it somewhere, um, but it's all green. So it's showing the exact colors of spring. So you need a leafy suit. That's your biggest help. Um, a leafy suit that's as green as you can find one. Um, I am a lefty, so I, I set up on the left side of the tree, obviously. Um, I'll go ahead and level my tripod and all that stuff. I'll even put some ivy on my camera arm, like on the uh, top of my handle for my audio on my camera. I'll put it on my camera. Um, and I will uh, set up on the left side of the tree, level the camera. I'll have my bow off to the left of it. And I'll try to set up. I don't really tuck back in the woods. I mean, if it's a really windy day, I'll put the decoy right out there like five to seven yards. It just depends if it's really windy. Um, and, and sometimes you don't need all that ivy and stuff if it's windy and stuff like that, if you've got a good backdrop. But a good backdrop is another piece. you got to, like, have a lot of green behind you. You know, now you can sit out there in, like, the wide open, and you might get away with it, you know, one or two out of ten times. But if you want to be consistent, you need to be having a good green backdrop behind you. Um, that's the next thing. So apart from that, that's pretty much the setup. And, you know, I'll put the decoy off to my left because obviously that's going to give me a, a better window to clear the camera in the frame of what the camera's filming to where I can get off the shot um, and not have jumped up video. But that's pretty much my setup. Now, one thing I wanted to talk about, so we kind of went over the actual camouflage, how you do that. And I will say, guys, I'll put, we'll have a picture of uh, Jordan and his setup and, you know, kind of so you can visualize what he's talking about. He does use a pretty green, uh, light green leaf suit, which, like he says, does, uh, you know, really show off those spring colors really well. Especially, I guessing, if you're hunting around a lot of privet hedge or something like that, it would blend in really well. But um, also, talk a little bit, again, for anyone that's, possibly interested in starting to hunt uh turkeys with a bow your actual bow setup from uh you know what bow you're using your sight and then also talk about you know how you have your bow uh stationed for when you're ready to shoot and how it's always uh sitting upright yeah okay so the sitting upright uh matt Eckhoff, uh guy that used to build these things um it's a bow bipod kind of like it goes into where your stabilizer goes. I bought it from him. Not sure if he's still producing those. I don't think he is. Um, but I was able to talk him out of one, and I bought it from him. That's a big help. Uh, there's some other companies that make a bow pod. I think Axion Archery has one. Um, that one, you know, I don't, the only thing I don't like about that one is the when you fold out the legs on it, it doesn't, hold your bow at level and my bow i want my bow level totally level upright i don't want it like caught down i want it level um and then there's i think bow sticks makes one uh i think it's just a little bit difficult to pack and stuff mine's pretty stationary um so that's the one i use i like it uh the bow i use an obsession bow i'm shooting uh a hemorrhage this year for turkeys, last year I shot a DEFCON M7, and I liked it too. Um, but the hemorrhage is a little bit shorter axle-axle, so it's a lot lighter, and it's just easier for me to pack it. Um, the maneuverability is there. Uh, I'm shooting probably 60 pounds at a 29-inch draw. Um, I'm shooting a heavy air. I'm just shooting my deer hunting air, really. Uh, I'm shooting the same thing I shoot at deer, which is 125 gram, gram cap, original. Um, I like it. It's just got a big cutting diameter. Uh, turkeys, when I, <laughs> I say when I shoot, when I hit them, they don't seem to go that far. Uh, they expire pretty quickly, good humane kill. Um, and that's pretty much the bow setup. I shoot a sword sight, uh, Judge Pro, and it's basically... There's all kind of sights you can use at work. I mean, it's not just the sword, but I like the sword because it's a one-pin sight, and 
It's built really rugged. It can withstand me throwing it around the wood, dragging it through creeks, stuff like that. And it um, got a good bright pen. And and one thing I'll touch on is like when you're bow hunting turkeys, I don't want to have to think in the heat of the moment. I want to put one pin on the turkey where it should be. You know, I don't want to have to think, oh, is it second or the third? You know, you got to simplify, or at least I do need to simplify my setup as as much as I can. So I don't want to have to be thinking all kind of other things when I'm about to aim at a turkey. Um, and that's really what my setup is. Well, I, I have another question actually about your site setup. I mean, uh, one pin site, I can see that being very effective for turkeys. Um, but when you're hunting in a hunting scenario with your decoy spread, whatever, you know, whatever distance you want to keep them at, what do you normally dial your site down to? I mean, are you holding it at a, at a clean 20? Are you dialing it down lower than that? Or what's your setup for that? It's basically dead on at 10, which is going to be dead on at 20. And then out of 30, it's going to start dropping a good bit maybe four inches. So what I'll do is I'll just judge it by yardage. I mean, the turkey that I shot, it was actually, I stepped it off, it was 38 yards on Wednesday. So I aimed um, over the top of the turkey's head a little hair, and I should have hit the turkey. My bow was on. I would have actually hit him in the high back area. Uh, but instead, my bow is shooting high, and I hit him in the head, which, you know, that worked out. But normally, I'm just kind of judging distance on the whim. And, and I've got a – I'm pretty decent at it. I feel confident doing it. Uh, but anything, I mean, I'm not going to shoot at one normally that far at 40. I just felt like it that day. I mean, tomorrow, if one steps out there still at 40 – you know, I might hold it high and send it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of at that stage. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a, that's another aspect about, you know, just hunting with a bow like that in that scenario. I mean, kind of being prepared for all situations and hoping you're prepared for all situations. I mean, I think that's the biggest key because, um, I mean, there's so many things that could, you know, play a factor that could really mess up a hunt really quickly hunting with a bow in that scenario, you know, out of the, you know, the safety of a blind. Uh, I mean, there's just so many factors going against you. So, I mean, pretty much the odds really aren't in your favor when you're hunting in that scenario. So, I mean, you really have to uh, have your cards aligned and everything set up to, to really be able to be productive doing that. Yeah, there, there is. I mean, a lot of times, you know, decoys hurt you a lot of times. I mean, like I said, there's only so many setups you can have. And, you know, it's just one of the things when you have that camera, it's a must. So, you know, if if I was hunting with a shotgun, I would not even carry a decoy just because I think calling that turkey, I'm a lot better off doing that and get him to come find me. If it's on the edge of the field inside the woods or in the woods or, you know, get him to pop over that hill or get him to come find me. Um, when he shows his face in the woods, he's in range. When I'm hunting with a bow and he shows his face, the hunt just got started. You know, what is he going to do now? Is he going to come in? Am I going to have to work him a little bit more? Um, is he going to get up there at about 20 and see something he doesn't quite like? Uh, is he going to see a little bit of a glare? Uh, that's another thing. You, you want to really set up in the shadows. Uh, this evening, I was in, had some sun on me. Yeah, it worked out, and that's probably what he might have seen uh, with some of that sunlight off the boat. But there's so many little factors that you really got to think about uh, doing it. And, you know, if you decide you want to take up the challenge, I will pray for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, You're going to need it. Well, yeah, now let's kind of uh, do a little bit more of a, a, a season recap up to this point, as in, uh, kind of what you've been up to again, and then also, you know, how your first two uh, harvests uh, this year in Georgia went. All right, so the first bird I got on opening day caught him up to about, I don't know, 15 yards or so. He hung around for about 10 seconds, long enough for me to get to the boat, but then he walked out of the camera frame. So 
I could have tried to probably draw on him, but I didn't, and he just went off. Ended up coming back in the field uh, with some hens and couldn't do anything with them. So that happened. Uh, I want to say I worked several of the turkeys that came up to about 40 yards and just didn't want any part of it. Uh, and then I went back that Monday morning to the same field and showed a little bit different look. And he came in again and hung around for a little while, did the same type thing, stayed there for about long enough for me to get to the boat. And then he started leaving, so I drew on him. That's the one that I shot high and hit him in the head. Um, and then since then, I got on probably three or four more birds that came within, you know, sport yards, didn't want any part of it, and got on one on public, uh, a couple on public. One, I conceded to somebody that was there before me. I had the bird roosted, and I uh, felt like I would have had a really good shot at him that morning. But somebody got there just a little bit before me, so I couldn't get where I wanted to get. The bird flew down right where I needed to be. Um, that happened, and then another time I got on a bird on public about, oh, I don't know, 7.30, 8 o'clock that morning. I was walking down a long pine road, cutting about a mile and a half from the truck, struck the bird, played the waiting game on him. You know, it's that time when you just, you got to shut up on him, and you're just waiting whoever talks first loses, you know. And I had been sitting there for like 20 minutes of silence, and he gobbled. And then I started to have the conversation again. Instead of hitting the pine road, he decided to swing all the way around behind me. So I had hardly any cover. Granted, it was planted pine. And uh, he ended up coming in, caught him in behind me about 30 yards with about six jakes. I want to say it was about six jakes. And um, he didn't want to commit. I mean, I could have swung on the tree with a shotgun and probably blasted him. Could have missed him. Who knows? But um, would have had a chance. So that happened, didn't have a chance there. And then uh, I want to say I got on the same, I got on three gobblers, called them up to about 35 yards, and they didn't want to commit. So then I decided to go back, hunt the same turkeys in the pouring down rain without a decoy. And they came, I called them close, but they swung in behind me. And, um, Ended up coming out three different times after that. I quit calling after I called them up once. And they, I came close, but it just worked out. And then the next evening, I, or the next morning, I went back and showed a little bit different look with a Jake. And they had a hen with them. And I heard them gobbling behind me in a field. So I called to them some. The hen took them off. And I said to myself, you know, they're going to come back. So about an hour later, they gobbled in another field real close. And so I uh, pretty much gobbled at them one time and shut up. And here they come. Here comes the hen and three gobblers. And they, you know, came up there to 10 yards. And, you know, my bow was shooting high. I think I skipped one bird. Uh, the second bird is the one I skipped. Before that, uh, me and a guy, a buddy of mine, uh, Mr. Warren, we went out to a place he has, and uh, I called up two gobblers, uh, came all the way up there. I shot one. He shot the other one. And uh, and then, I, you know, the next day I got on those three that I called up. Then I ended up, you know, subsequent days, I ended up getting them in there to 10 yards and missed. And that, that miss is really what started the old Mr. Murphy. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I shot high over that turkey's back, and, uh, you know, I re resided in, feeling confident about my setup, uh, went went to another place uh, the next day, got on a bird off the roost. That was the one I was telling you that came out in the field, um, barely got set up in time. He gobbled and strutted, you know, out there about 35 and didn't want any part of it and left, and I waited a day or two to give him some time. And showed a different look this evening, and that's when I had the malfunction. So that's pretty much my season so far. Uh, there was, I called one in for my dad. Um, 
it was two birds came in. I was just filming him, and uh, actually had a camera malfunction. I just quit recording and just enjoyed the moment with my dad. But I called uh, two all the way across the field without a decoy. Um, like I was telling you before, if I'm if I'm got a shooter that has a shotgun, I'm I really don't want to carry one just because it's it's I feel like I have the advantage without it more mm-hmm. so than I do with it. Um, and plus, my birds, if I'm hunting them already with a bow, and I'm going to take somebody with a shotgun, I don't want it. I don't want them to see a, a decoy because that's just ruining more opportunity for me when I have to take a bow. You know what I mean? Um, so that was that. And then I also, I mean, the beginning of the season, I guess I skipped uh, the beginning. Youth season, I called in a bird. Uh, bunch of gobblers that had a bunch of hands with them. I did a fight perk is what pulled all of them in. But that's pretty much the recap so far. Six uh, six birds, you know, should have been a lot more. Um, but uh, that's, that's about what it is. Yeah, and actually something you said that I kind of want to touch on a little bit about, and it actually it's really a two-part question. The first part is, uh, would you kind of break down what some of these looks that you're doing or what you call looks uh, on some of your properties to change it up to give these birds a different idea of a different set that you're putting out for them to make it a little more realistic? Uh, so would you touch on that first, and then I'll, I'll hit you with a second question after that. Okay, so basically if, if I work a bird and he comes up there and he doesn't like something, it's probably it could be a lot of things. So I'm trying to like process of elimination. What is it he didn't like? Um, was it I had too much sun on me? Was it he saw a glare on the camera? Was it he's already got his butt kicked and he's really subdominant? So even if you have a red head color scheme with saying that you're a subdominant bird, um, even if you have the right color scheme on the head and all that and he still shies away from the strutter, well, then I'm going to need to throw the strutter in the trash can on that bird and I'm going to need to try to use a jake maybe or you know the later in the season it gets I like it because I'm going to use just a hint you know that's going to give me a really a lot better odd if he's seeing just a hint and he's hot because he's going to strut around that hen, he's going to interact with that hen. it's going to be a lot better chances probably for me to draw um but if something doesn't work on a bird, I'm going to change it up. Some. You know, I'm going to I'm gonna try to change the area in which I work that bird. I'll try to get on him in a different look. Um, I'll try to use a different decoy look. Um, there's all kind of things I try to change, but I definitely want it to be different. If I have a close call with a bird, I definitely want, want it to be a totally different look. And I really want to give them a little bit of time to kind of forget about you know, what happened two, three days before. I might want to give them a week, you know. Yeah, now, okay, and kind of going towards my second question, which still has a, is uh, about the topic of decoys. When you're hunting public land, uh, what decoy setup are you using for that and what look are you using uh, on public land? Man, you know, I, I was in Carolina, and I forgot to mention this about the season recap. I had two, and I had, well, it was really three or four long beards, probably four jakes that I had come in to about, oh, I don't know, 40. They swung in behind me to about 30 maybe. Um, and I had a jake out there with a laydown hen, and I don't think they could see it. Maybe if they'd have seen a hen upright, they would have came. Uh, but they kind of skirted me, so I was kind of scratching my head there. Um, but, you know, it's either a, a strutter or a jake. Um, what was your question again? I kind of got I was a little bit sidetracked there. Yeah, no problem. Just uh, what's, what's your decoy and look set up on public land when you're hunting public land? Oh, yeah, okay, public land. So I had a jake on public land there. Um, if I would have had a strutter there, I feel like my chances may have been better. Those particular turkeys, you know, for whatever reason, I felt like they would have strutter. Uh, strutter's a lot to tote, man. It's, it's heavy. It, you got to carry a fan with it. It's somewhat dangerous I try to go in in the dark and get away from people I want to go as far as I can if I'm going to use a strutter um, it's dangerous 
I mean, it just is. Um, so that's kind of what I want to do now. Kayak hunting, a lot of that, it's going to be easier to pack a hen and a jake, put on the back of the kayak, and that's really what I'm going to use on public more so than anything is, is just a jake and an upright hen. Um, that's probably my go-to. Okay, well, on another aspect of something you just touched on, which I wanted to get to was, you know, you're using access with a kayak on some public land. Uh, you know, what kind of got you turned onto that? And also, you know, do you have any special setup with your kayak? Or are you just using a pretty basic uh, sit-on-top? Yeah, I'm using a, ba- a basic kayak. I mean, nothing extravagant. Um, got a spot in the back where you can strap down your decoys. Got a spot in the front where you can strap down your bow. Um, my camera stays with me, packed in my vest. I wear my vest as I'm in the kayak. That keeps it, you know, water from getting in it. Now, if I flip that thing, I'm up the street. Um, you know, not going to be a good scenario there. So I'm trying to, I try to be really careful with that. Um, I've also got two GoPros. So, but yeah, that's kind of the setup with the kayak. And I like the Jake and the Hand because it's a lot easier to transport it. Okay. Now, uh, another thing, this is kind of me just thinking off the top of my head. Have you ever thought about putting your camera in a big dry bag and just, like, wrap it up in the net? Yeah, I have. Um, I don't really, in this kayak, I don't have that much room for that. Um, And it takes me a solid, probably, when I first started, it might have taken me 15 minutes to get set up. Um, If it's where I've sat up there before, it might take me five minutes. So I try to expedite that process, especially when you're trying to run and gun, trying to strike a bird. Um, another thing I do is, let's say I have, let's say I had a certain amount of properties to hunt, where there's a certain amount of public land spots that I like that are off the beaten path, a long way away. I try to envision okay, that bird's going to roost based on my scout, and I'm thinking, he's roosting here. If he roosts here, I'm going here, and this is where I need to set up. This is the best setup for that position, getting on that bird. Um, and I'll do that to every single spot. There might be 30, 40 setups, 50 setups uh, that I pre-fix up before the season even starts. You know, um, Now, I'm going to have new setups throughout the season, and those take longer. Because you know, I want my film to be good. You know, I want to, I want to try to produce the best product I can, the best memory I can to relive it. So that takes a lot of time. But you know, if I if I'm on a bird and he's coming, I got to be quick with it. You know, um, and I've had birds, plenty of birds, catch me with my pants down. You know, they they caught 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 me with my hand in the cookie jar, and I'm over there looking at them, and that's that's a done deal. Yeah, they're putting and gone the way. Yeah, you know, just another thing is, uh, you know, you, you do, you know, film for your show and everything. You know, how long have you actually been self-filming? I've been filming probably, I was filming with a shotgun uh, turkeys for a long time, probably. And I've got some old, the, the footage isn't that good. I don't feel like it's, it's, I mean, it's good footage, but it's not, you know, the quality I want. Um, you know, like shotgun blast, shaking the camera and stuff like that. I just never decided to, to show that type stuff just because the, the quality that I go for is kind of what I've, you know, been fortunate enough to produce lately. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, your question was basically, what was it again? It was about, I mean, I'm, just, I'm like, I don't hardly any sleep, I guess. I'm oh, yeah. Hard. I was going to say chasing birds as often as you have been and uh, getting whooped up on right now has probably worn you out. But, you know, just how long you've been uh, filming for, but also, you know, to kind of touch on another another topic, you know, for someone like myself, because I'm looking to get into filming, I know you've talked, we've talked about cameras, you and myself uh, have talked about different camera options for me, and I've talked to a couple other individuals about doing the same. And, you know, there's a lot of guys right now, you know, filming is getting really, really popular, uh, not necessarily for like doing your own show, but really just to document your hunts and really just have something fun and cool that you can show your buddies. Uh, yeah. And, you know, just for, to get into filming, is there any 
actual camera or any setup that you would recommend for someone just wanting to start off, you know, maybe have just like decent quality, you know, good enough quality that, you know, they don't mind showing people of it and they're proud of it. But, you know, what's a decent camera, a decent setup for someone to get started to really get, you know, started filming? I'd say uh, get you one good secondary angle camera. Get you a GoPro Hero 6 Black. Um, you know, get that. Get you a, a clamp on them for it. Or you can kind of tell a story, film yourself, tell people things. But as far as the main camera, um, there's some 4K cameras out there that are good and all. Um, I like a Canon XA30 just because it's got XLR input, which gives you professional audio. So the audio that you can capture with that, with a with an external mic, I run a Sennheiser MKE 600. Uh, it's a probably a $400 price point shotgun mic, uh, but it's gonna it's gonna pick up all that wing dragging, sitting and drumming, uh, gobble in your face, that type audio. Uh, it's gonna do a really good job there, uh, and that's a 1080p 60 frames per second camera. That's a pretty good little setup. It's small enough to pack it. Um, you're going to want something that you can pack, you know. Now, deer hunting, I don't run an external mic. Um, as far as weight-wise, I just kind of strip my camera down and take it. Um, I use a fourth era camera arm. It's pretty packable. It's a pretty good little system. And, you know, that's what I would recommend to people. You know, if you don't, if you can't afford a Canon XA30, I go with like a G40, something like that is a good camera by Canon. Um, and like I say, there's some others out there that are good too, that are that are like 4K. Yeah, and see, I've been uh, told by a buddy of mine that the uh, he just got the. Uh, the 40 the canon 40 and he, he absolutely loves it uh and then i know you told me about your camera and everything and so i'm kind of torn in between of you know what i kind of want to get started with uh because i you know i'd love to start filming you know for the podcast and also for uh, my other page the uh, running gun whitetail hunters but also just for yeah. you know having you know documentation of these hunts i mean you know something definitely versatile enough that i could you know do go on a you know deer hunt turkey hunt or maybe on a waterfowl hunt and you know document but also on our next western uh, hunt uh, going out west whether we're going to do elk or mule deer and be able to document that hunt as well and have you know high quality photo or high quality images and uh, film for that and to really bring back to all the listeners but also to all my friends and family because I mean you know films is something that you know I remember growing up you know that was something we always would do with a little handy cam a little uh, camcorder and then uh, you know that's what my uncles got uh, us doing too while we were young I mean I remember my very first kill, uh, deer kill, was uh, filmed on a uh, an old handy cam and uh, made for a great time because, you know, we'd get together for Christmas or something. My uncle or someone would play that video and, you know, see me be able to get the opportunity when I was like 11 years old. So, you know, I think filming is a great opportunity for anybody that really wants to, you know, have, you know, that documentation of those hunts and really be able to remember it. But on another note, uh, Jordan, how would you tell us the uh, the negative side of self filming? Man, it's just it's more stuff to kick me. Uh, sometimes I wish I'd never done it. I mean, it's I'm hooked now, so I'm addicted to it. But it's it's a lot of variables. I mean, I'm committed to it though. I mean, I'm if if I'm if I can't get it on camera, I don't even want to mess with it. Um, and that cost me animals. I mean, a lot of times that, that that'll cost me a tag, um, but it's perfecting it. Trying to, like I say, I'm I have a lot to learn, uh, and I've been doing this, you know, self filming probably since 2009, probably with old camcorder stuff. Uh, but it's it's just trying to make it easier on yourself, trying to find little ways to make it easier, you know. Now, is there any advice you'd give to a, a new uh, individual to maybe uh, that's, you know, starting to film their hunts? Is there any, you know, anything you would recommend for them to do or to, you know, get started when it comes to just, uh, you know, ha- trying to have as much success while hunting and filming and, you know, trying to get it all on camera? Try to focus on being a cameraman first and a hunter second. Because that's basically what I'm doing. Um, cameraman first, hunter second. You know, oh. Some people don't 
really want to do that, and that's fine. You know, everybody's got to have their own style. they got to mold to their own style. I've kind of molded myself. I've got my own unique style um, that, that I adopt, and that's kind of what I do. Uh, but definitely a fluid head tripod. That's a must. Got to have a fluid head. That's going to take out a lot of the creaking and cracking and all that stuff. It's going to have a good fluid motion. Uh, that's going to help out a lot. And, and practice. Get out in the yard. Practice filming birds and practice filming squirrels and stuff like that. And then go back and watch your footage and say, man, is that something I would, you know, is that shaking me to death when I'm watching it? Or is that pretty, is that center frame? Is that pretty decent little shots, you know? Just practice at it, really. No, perfect. Now, before we uh, we let you go and uh, turn this uh, episode over, now, give us a little recap or a little, uh, I guess, a view of what the rest of your season is looking like and what you have planned for the rest of this season. Well, my plan is, Lord willing, I'm going to punch that third tag very soon. Uh, I got, I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself, but I'm I gotta be because I, I'm gonna have to dig. I'm trying to. I'm gonna have to dig down deep to get it done. But that that really is this quest to finish out in Georgia. And then I will be. I'm still hunting some Carolina here and there sporadically. I've got three tags for Carolina public land. That's what I'm hunting, Carolina. And then I'm planning on taking a trip to Kentucky uh, at some point. I've got a trip there. I've got birds on public that I know where they're at. I'm going to try to make that happen, um, make a run up there. And then I'm taking a big trip out west. I'm doing um, – I'll be doing Washington, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, Nebraska, and possibly either adding Oregon to that or North Dakota to that. Not sure yet. Still kind of working out the logistics. Um and really what I'm – I just enjoy traveling. You know, I enjoy traveling. I enjoy hunting turkeys in different states. And, um, you know, I'm chasing 49. I'm, I'm trying to see the whole United States uh, through the lens of a camera. And I'm trying to do it with a bow the way that, that, that I enjoy to do it. So trying to knock out some states and still enjoy it. We'll see, you know, how many I can finish out this year. And I'll just try to take, you know, four or five states a year. And uh, eventually, hopefully by the time I retire, I'll, I'll finish the whole thing. But No, I mean, that's awesome, man. I'm really jealous of you. Uh, I know me and Andrew are talking about going out west again next year. We're going to do our own little turkey tour where we're going to start out hopefully in South Florida and then go come back to Alabama or Tennessee area and try to get it eastern. And then we're going to try to go up and – hit uh, Nebraska and Kansas and try to get a Miriam and a Rio while we're up there. But, uh, man, that's awesome. That's a great setup that y'all have going on for that, man. But uh, once again, Jordan, man, I really do appreciate you coming on this evening and kind of, you know, opening our eyes to, uh, you know, the suck factor, man, how difficult that hunting can truly be, especially when you want to do something different and uh, really want to make it rewarding, but, you know, go through a lot of uh, obstacles and adversities to try to make it happen, man. So I'm, I'm glad you really brought that to the table today. I think a lot of our listeners really got out of, you know, turkey hunting can be easy or, man, it can be difficult. It is all depends on how you want to go about doing it and how you want to hunt, man. And uh, that, I, that's, that's the truth, man. And I'll tell you another thing. Uh, be looking for the second bird. I'm going to post that uh, probably tonight or tomorrow. And then probably going to see, I'm hoping that I can finish this third bird this week um, or definitely next week. But I'll have, I'll have uh, some suck factor for people to watch to make fun of me, um, how hard it is. But I'll be showing that because that's real. You know, I don't, I don't want to just show when everything works out great. I want to show when it does you know, and that's something I haven't done before, but I'm going to, I'm going to do, because that's just, it, it's real, you know, and that's, that's what I think a, a lot of times, you know, I've, I've skipped, I've been guilty of skipping out on that, not showing that type of stuff, but I think it, it just shows, you know, more of the value of how hard 
how hard it is, you know. Well, that too, and also, you know, really shows how truly human you are because I think a lot of people in the hunting industry, especially this one reason I kind of have turned away from some outdoor television shows is because it's 22 minutes of just kills. And I mean, if that's your thing, that's fine. But, you know, no one had, no one bats, you know, a thousand, uh, you know, there's no batter that's ever had that. So, I mean, you're going to have some losses. You're going to have some mistakes. You're going to have some wounded animals. You're going to have all kinds of things that are going to happen that some people will leave out of their uh, documents and their filming and everything. And I'm glad that you're putting that in to really relate with your listeners and your, you know, your viewers of, you know, it's real. I mean, misses happen. I mean, stuff happens. And I mean, it makes you seem more average, which you are, but, you know, allows guys like myself to be able to look at that and be like, yeah, this, this dude's true. I mean, you know, he's genuine and, you know, he's going to show, you know, both sides of the story. You know, it's not all pretty and it's not all great. I mean, that's, again, the reason why this episode is going to be called The Suck Factor. I mean, there are times when hunting can be miserable, hunting can suck, but then again, it can make it all worthwhile in the end. And, I mean, that's what you're going for right now. Yeah, I wish it was always sunshine and rainbows. I really wish it was, but but it sure isn't. <laughs> yeah, I wish we could all... I, I, wish, I uh, wish I didn't have any like terrible hardships to show and, and struggles to show but you know it's part of it and that's what makes you grow as a hunter and what makes you grow as a human i mean i wish we could all could kill you know 200 inch white tail and you know always kill you know some yeah. giant you know two inch spurred turkeys man but you know that's that's not that's no. not reality no it's not so but once again jordan man i do appreciate you coming on man and you know showing us the true light of how hunting can truly be, especially when you do something as difficult as you do, as you know, chasing turkeys with a bow outside of a blind man. But I wish you have an awesome rest of your season. We'll stay in touch, brother, and I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, man, y'all have a good one. I'll keep y'all today. Y'all do the same. Y'all go ahead and write down the dates, June 28th through June the 30th. Go ahead and just mark those off your calendar so you can be at the Dalton Convention Center in Dalton, Georgia for the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard a a ton of content from that expo last year that we posted. Uh, We talked about it a ton. Look, if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It was literally designed for you, which means you're going to love it. You know, all the best companies in mobile hunting are going to be there. A lot of the best deer killers in the Southeast are going to be there. A lot of our past podcast guests are going to be there. It's just, it's going to be an incredible event. And hey, if you've been looking to either get into a saddle or maybe a mobile lock-on setup or just a different kind of tree stand setup, I'm telling you, it's worth the investment to go to this show because they're all going to be there and you, you will get to try all of them in person before you buy it. So you don't have to order something online and then wait for it and then try it when it comes in to see if you really like it. You're going to get to go put your hands on everything all in one day, test it all out and figure out exactly what works best for you and have it taken care of before deer season starts. So like I said, go ahead and put it on your calendar, guys. It's a no-brainer. You gotta be at the show. Again, it's Friday, June 28th through Sunday, June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. We absolutely cannot wait to meet you guys there and talk hunting. So we'll see you at the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo in Dalton, Georgia.